Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Grace Atwood. And I'm Becca Freeman. And today we're here to talk to you about Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win by Joe Piazza. Oh my God, this is one of my favorite books I've read this year. I can't stop recommending it. I am very excited for this conversation. I'm so excited. It's one of the best books that I've read because it's like really nice. It's, a, it's light and it's refreshing and fun to read, but it's also about a really important topic. Yes. Before so. we get into it, let's talk about us. Yes, let's talk about us. Becca, what's your high this week? My high was that I had such a nice weekend. I had a very relaxed, I had like a good balance between like social plans and catching up, but I just feel like having my work situation sorted out and not being worried about signing clients or like, is this going to work? Just like lifted such a weight off of my shoulder that I feel like I could just like focus on other things in my life. So I had such a productive Saturday. I grocery shopped. I cleaned my apartment. I meal prepped. I read. I caught up on work. I, and then you went drinking with me. <laughs> I went drinking with and you. And we ate sushi. We, we didn't ate just so drink. much sushi. Yeah. Um, but I just had like a magical weekend. I feel like I had. It was very restorative. Like I got things on track. I went and got drunk with you at a dog at a dog friendly bar. Oh my god, you guys, lucky dog. It's Ugh. our favorite place. There's just dogs. It's just a dive bar with dogs and cute boys. It's great. Ugh, it's great. And it's like two blocks from my apartment, which we love. But yeah, I had a great weekend. I I feel really good. Yes, me too. Tell me about your high. So mine's kind of similar. I'm starting to feel caught up and organized. So I see your low, and that's something that's a low for me too. Um, I was afraid to even talk about I have a lot of low. accounting stuff I have to do in tax work, but I... Um, I'm feeling more organized. Um, one impor- one thing is like I'm, I hate to use the the term OCD because I know that that's like a very technical, like mental illness. But I'm I probably have a little bit of OCD in me. Like I need everything to be straight. I need everything to be organized. I hate when things are out of place. I hate like if I walk in my bedroom and the bed is not made, I get upset. Like I I'm a difficult person to live with, but I live alone, so it's fine. Anyways, I finally feel organized. The one thing that's not organized is my closet. So I've been doing a lot of purging. I sold seven bags. So I work with Crossroads, which I um, they're great because they pick up my clothing mm-hmm. and they sell what they can and they donate the rest to Goodwill. So it's just like one thing I don't have to think about because like I see people with Poshmark closets and what have you. And it's so much work. I'm not going to be – I will – People will hate me. Like, I'd be so late with sending the packages out. I'd be like, here's your thing from last month. Sorry. I know I'd be, like, a nightmare. So I will never do a closet sale for that reason. But I sold all of these clothes to them. So And then I'm doing another purge. And then I just signed a closet makeover blog project with um, The Laundress and Hoarderly. The Laundress just came out with, like, a new line of, like, closet organizing stuff. And Hoarderly is a professional organizing service. Wait. Are you getting California closets? Like, no. are you getting fancy closets? No, no, no. Oh. Like, I have rolling racks behind there, like, and I have one closet. It's not like that, but it's, like, really beautiful linen boxes and, like, organizers and, like, dividers and, and like, That's nice exciting. storage. It's still exciting. That's very exciting, but, like, my dream in life oh is my to God, have, yeah. like, one of those, like, the Alpha or, like, mm-hmm. the California closets, that, like, with all the compartments and the I think we need to sections. own homes before we get that. 
I don't think those are for renters. Well. Or, like, maybe nicer closets than the ones that you and I have. Yeah, I mean, my closet's very small, but. Yeah. My closet's very small, so I made another closet be- in my living room. Behind, if you guys ever see, like, apartment tours of mine, behind all that banana leaf is where I keep all my clothes. Yeah. Well, I'm still excited for you. I just got really excited at the mention of what I thought I'm just might excited be, like, to have California closets. I'm excited to have someone come in and just organize all my stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I'll be able to find things better. It's really, it's kind of a mess right now. That's exciting. So I can't wait. I'm very excited. And I'm just feeling a little bit more cut up. Oh, and so every year I always get myself a birthday present. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year I bought myself really nice wine. Ooh. So How I, nice is nice wine? Um, it's from Domaine Serene. And it's like $75 a bottle. Oh, wow. That's nice wine. It's nice. See, I think that's very nice. But I have friends who drink like 100 or $200 bottles for their splurge wine. Wow. So, like, I'm, like, medium into wine. Like, I'm not an expert, but my dad is an expert, and I, like, a lot of that did rub off on me. I can tell the difference between the good wine. I like to have good wine for, like, when you're having, like, a nice night. Um, mm-hmm. Or, like, if my, when my mom and dad come, I'll be like, oh, let's have a bottle of the Domaine Serene. I bought myself six bottles of it. That was my birthday present. Um, and it's my favorite vineyard. My sister and I went wine tasting there when I was in Oregon. It's, if you like a good Pinot Noir, it's the best. Ooh. It's not what we're drinking right now. I just poured us some wine, but, um, it's really nice. It's my favorite vineyard. My dream would be for them to want to partner with my blog because I get a lot of wine sponsorships, but it's, it's never for a Pinot Noir. That's never Domaine Serene. I would have slapped you if you poured us seventy five a seventy five dollar bottle no. of wine for like sitting around podcasting. No, it's for special occasions yeah. only. Like it's gonna last me probably at least till summer, like in rose season starts. Like it's special wine. That's nice. Maybe I'll get a boyfriend this fall and we'll like be able to like sit and like drink the nice wine together. Yeah, have like a cozy Netflix yeah. and chill and get drunk on fancy wine night. Yeah. Those are goals. Things to aspire to. Yeah. It'll likely just be me and Tyrion. No, I wouldn't drink the good wine with just Tyrion. Well, he can split it with you. <laughs> Poor Tyrion. <laughs> um, tell me about your low. Um, my low is I've just been feeling very tired and very hangry. And I'm blaming that maybe I've been doing Saqqara, which I'm obsessed with. It's the best. Like, it's a vegan meal delivery service. But sometimes I forget to eat because the meals are really filling. And so then, like, it'll be, like, 8, and I'll be, like, shit, I didn't eat dinner yet. And I'll be, like, oh, that's why I'm in a bad mood. I've How also, long have you been doing Saqqara? I'm on my second week right now. Oh, that's intense. So I'm doing a two-week reset because I felt like after my birthday and after, like, the summer of traveling, I just felt, like, bloated and gross. I have something later in the episode that I want to talk to you about. Okay. I can't wait. I don't want to... Okay. I don't want to spoil that's it. That's, like, really... This is ominous. Um, but... I love Sakara. It's the best way to reset. But the meals, like, especially lunch and dinner, are very heavy. And so oftentimes I'll forget to eat my dinner. And then I, like, like I was out last night and I was, like, suddenly very grumpy. And I'm like, shit, I haven't eaten. I need to be better at, like, eating when I'm supposed to eat. I can honestly tell you that is not a problem I've ever had. I've never forgotten to eat. Um... I do on the weekends. Also, I had a bagel yesterday, so then I wasn't hungry the rest of the day. And then it was dinner time. I was like, rawr. Are you supposed to have bagels while you do Saqqara? No, it was the weekend. Oh, you don't do it on the weekend? You don't. But 
in my case, I spread, like I had, I was working in the city one day, so I didn't eat my Saqqara, so I ate it over the weekend. Got it. So I like will just sometimes eat eat on the weekends, the meals that I didn't, mm-hmm. but you get weekends off. Got it. Got it. That makes more sense. And bagels are my favorite indulgence. <laughs> I get an everything bagel with the vegan tofu scallion vegetable spread. Ooh. With sliced tomato. Oh, my God. It's my favorite thing. Because cream cheese is a little hard on my stomach, but the vegan tofu spread tastes just like it. Ugh. There was a bagel place next to my old office and next to your old apartment um, that I really miss. And they used to have jalapeno cream cheese, Ooh, which is my really favorite. Good. I feel like my place has jalapeno. Oh, So good. I love jalapeno cream cheese. Yum. Okay. So we're getting totally derailed talking about food. I'm hungry just Me too. talking to I'm you. I'm hungry. Um, but what was, what was your low? So my low is taxes. So I met with an accountant last Friday and I had done some Googling to understand what going freelance meant from a tax perspective. And I have a couple friends like Grace or my friend Rachel who are also self-employed. So I felt like I had like a handle on the basics. I like roughly knew like what this would be like. I... Like, my head was spinning when I left this meeting. Like, I feel like there were, like, cartoon thought bubbles over my head with a bunch of question marks in it the entire meeting. It was so overwhelming. I feel like there's so much I have to do that I didn't know about. I, like, don't understand the rules. Like, I'm very overwhelmed. Very It's a nightmare. And I can't even talk about it because I'm stressed out with some tech stuff myself. But it's not fun. Well, I texted you after I left and I was like, oh my God. I was like, I just met with an accountant. I'm so stressed. Don't and she was like, don't even talk to me about taxes. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't, even, when I'm stressed, I just shut down about something like it's the worst. So hey, I'm going to be working on that tonight after you leave. Yeah. I'm just overwhelmed. I mean, I think hopefully having a good accountant who can like help guide me through it is like going to help. But yeah, that helps. I'm just, I Feeling a little in over my head on that front. Yeah. So that's me. Yeah. So I want to talk about this book, but before we get into it, it's Desperation Minute. Yes. Guys, if you are loving this podcast, go leave us a review on iTunes and give us a rating, but also like take the time to to write a review. I love reading them. It is my favorite thing. It's like our favorite thing, and we screenshot them and text them back and forth to each other. Love them. Sometimes I put my favorite ones on my Instagram story. Love it. It's the best. We love your reviews. If you've already done that, you can follow us on social media. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. And tell your friends. Yeah, do that. Yeah. So do it. Let's... I, I'm like rushing through Desperation Minute. Okay. I just want to talk about the book. Yes. We're done being desperate. Let's talk about this book. Okay. So where do we even go? Where do we even start? Let's tell people what the book's about okay. so that... We can talk about it. So Charlotte Walsh is from a blue-collar Pennsylvania town. She is 47 years old, and she's married to a guy named Max, who's handsome and charming, but he has a reputation of being a little bit of a flirt. And then together, they have three daughters under the age of six. So she got, like, she settled down and got pregnant much later on in life. She's also the COO of a big Silicon Valley tech company. Um, and I think we both really thought of her as kind of like a Sheryl Sandberg type of character. Yes, totally. 
So the book starts as she's getting ready to move her family back to Pennsylvania to run for a Senate seat against a pretty well-liked but also very smarmy incumbent candidate whose name is Tug Slaughter. Like, if this isn't a stereotype, like, a very well-done stereotype, like, I don't know what is. Yeah. So this guy is, is like, known as much for his affairs as he is for his politics. Mm-hmm. And is on, I don't know, like, Wife 3 or something. And he's always, like, getting on stage and doing, like, cheesy PR stunts, like, yeah. doing push-ups. push-ups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So in order for her to run, her and her husband are both taking a sabbatical from work And Max is going to take care of their young children. So even though Max is a great father, he is doing this somewhat unwillingly because it's basically penance for an affair that he had two years ago that Charlotte found out about. And so he wants to make it up to her and is being a stay-at-home dad while she runs for Senate. Mm -hmm. But pretty early in the book, we find out that Charlotte has her own secret that she's been keeping from Max, and we just don't know what that secret is. Spoiler alert, it's a pretty juicy secret. So once in Pennsylvania, the family moves into her parents' house in a very, very depressing slash depressed suburb of Scranton that fell in hard times when manufacturing left the U.S., So her older brother and his wife, Kara, also lived there and never left after Kara got pregnant in high school. So her brother is mostly out of work. He's kind of a hot mess. He's definitely, you get the sense that he's definitely going to be a liability, and he spends most of his money on beer and drugs. So in the campaign, Charlotte definitely starts out as the underdog, but she quickly starts to get momentum, and the campaign is actually getting national attention for a local race, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. But as her campaign starts to gain traction and she's doing well on that front, Max just keeps becoming more and more resentful of Charlotte, who obviously is away from home a lot with the campaign. So in the middle of the campaign, Charlotte finds some texts on Max's phone with another woman. Mm-hmm. So she calls her mentor, Roz, who's the former governor of Maryland and was Charlotte's first boss, who talks her down and basically just tells her to ignore it, that Charlotte needs Max to win this campaign and to just, like, look the other way if he's having an affair. Yeah. So Charlotte and Max get into an argument, and she confronts him about this affair. But it turns out it wasn't an affair. It was actually just an old coworker that he was helping to get a new job. But their marriage is its really fractured. It's not good. Um, she doesn't trust him, and he's completely miserable taking a backseat to her campaign. Like, he can't really do anything. Like, he kind of has to just, kind of like a woman would, put his whole life and his whole career on hold for her. Yeah. Meanwhile, the campaign is getting increasingly dirty. So Charlotte's campaign leaks against her wishes um, that her opponent's wife had an abortion probably like 10 or 15 years ago. And then Tug's campaign retaliates by planting a story that Charlotte and Max have an open relationship, which Mm -hmm. obviously doesn't play very well with voters. Yeah, especially that conservative Pennsylvania set. They do not like that. Mm -hmm. So Charlotte and Max go away for a weekend with the objective of getting their marriage back on track. It's working, but in the midst of it, Charlotte gets an email from Margaret. So Margaret is the woman that Max had had the affair with back earlier on. And um, they figure out that reporters have been really sniffing around. 
So it comes out that Charlotte's secret, that we didn't know what it was until this point, is that she had met with Margaret after her affair with Max. She just, like, wanted to meet the other woman. And she found out that Margaret was pregnant with Max's child. So basically, she paid her off and helped her move to the Singapore office of their company and didn't tell Max about the baby. And when she finds out, she also doesn't, that this story might leak, she also still doesn't tell him. Yeah. So this is, like, pretty risky. Um, So finally, and you just know, like, whenever you're reading a book like this, you know that, like, it's going to explode and totally blow up in her face. But um, finally, she tells him after the debate, and he is rightly so furious. And so he walks out. Um, But instead of focusing on their marriage and, like, fixing things, she decides to press forward on the campaign, and they stage a primetime interview for her to tell her story. So she ends up salvaging the story and, and spinning it the right way. And the book ends on election day with the poll results about to come in and Max shows up to be with Charlotte which she wasn't sure that he would but we don't actually find out the results of the election it kind of just like closes with them reuniting and about to go find out the the poll results yeah the ending was a cliffhanger yeah yeah so let's talk about this okay I Becca mostly did the notes for this one, and there is a lot of notes. Like, we have a lot to talk about here. So, one thing that I... Okay. So, first of all, I... The copy I had had an editor's note in it, and it said that this is the first uh, fiction portrayal of a woman candidate running for national political office. That's crazy. That blew my mind it's 2018 and women have been running for office for like quite some time but there's no fiction book that deals yeah. with it I mean there's certainly like memoirs and of course um non-fiction but this hasn't ever been dealt with as a topic of fiction in terms of like kind of thinking through how a woman would navigate it and where the difficulties are and that just like it blew my mind that this didn't exist somebody in our in our Facebook group um, recommended another book from the 80s, which is a YA book. I think it's called The President's Daughter or something. And that's about a female president, but I don't think it deals with her election necessarily. But mm. I don't know. It was just so crazy to me that this topic just like hasn't exist existed in books. And like, it's crazy where, you know, I mean, I think like having narratives around women running for office helps to normalize it in, you know, books and movies and like helps us as a society to contemplate what are the challenges associated with this? And, like, there just aren't narratives around this. Yeah. And that yeah. was really eye-opening for me, even before I read the book, to be like, wow, this is important. Like, as a culture, like, we need more books like this. Yeah, completely. I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. Also, before we get into the topic of the book, I also wanted to talk about... So apparently Joe Piazza wrote this book while she was pregnant. And the dedication for this book like so really cute. made my heart swell. So yeah. her son's name is Charlie, which is also Charlotte's nickname, ironically, mm-hmm. or not so ironically. And the dedication says, Charlie, may you grow up to be the kind of man who wants women to win. Oh, that like that makes my heart hurt. Like, I just loved that. I love it. Hurt in a good way. Hurt in a good way. Oh, yeah. I loved that. 
Love it. So I guess before we really get into it, like a little disclaimer, Mm -hmm. not a disclaimer, but so the book, it's implied that the book is like in a political climate that is like very similar to real life. Yeah. They don't really go into who the president is, but there was a surprising election that had happened. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that they don't talk about that specifically. And also that they didn't really focus that much on party politics. Like they obviously focused on Charlotte's need to fundraise and there were definitely opinions that both candidates had were like, you were like, oh, yeah, you're a Democrat and you're a Republican. But I feel like so much more of it was instead of about the politics, which I guess maybe come into play more when you're in office in terms of like, how are you voting or like, you know, yeah. things like that. It really just the focus was on doing something better for the constituents. Yes. Which I liked that obviously it's a political book, but it wasn't as much. I felt like Republican women and Democratic women would be able to read it and relate to it. Like, I don't think it was, like, obviously it probably was more Democratic skewing, but I think, because if you just look at Tug, like, it's clear he's, like, the old white Republican guy. Yeah. But I felt like it was something that every every woman would be able to relate to and really love. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you, I was actually a little bit nervous to talk about politics on this podcast because we've created something that is so unpolitical and yeah. nonpartisan and I know like for- a break I think we're a break from politics like totally where I a lot of you guys listen to pod save America and hysteria but then you come to us for like your little like fun light thing that you do and that's totally how I am too like I read books that you know are fiction and I listen to a lot of podcasts that are about self-care or about celebrities or about mm-hmm. pop culture that aren't political in nature because I need a break yeah we all need a break like I listen to CNN during the day like and it's it's a lot but I mean the reason I was nervous is because I've seen backlash towards other bloggers or podcasts where they talk about politics where it's like kind of considered like not their sphere yeah. Where, like, with Pod Save America, you know that if you listen to it, like, you're getting politics. You're there for, for the politics. But I've seen people in comments, like, go really nuts on people where they feel like they're, like, speaking about politics in a non-political place. But mm-hmm. I was thinking about it, and, like, I just think the topic is so important that, like, honestly, no matter what party you vote with, like, I don't care how you vote, there's just such an issue about representation and, like, women in office, like, Why, as I think 51% of the population, are women so underrepresented in terms of elected officials? And, like, to me, it really comes down to, like, I don't care how you vote, but, like, let's think about why there are so few women in office. Yeah. It's it's really crazy. I obviously have my own politics and, like, issues that I care about and vote on, but, like... It's not not about that, though. It's about... Like, overall, like, I would just like to see... Why aren't there more female... Republican, Democrat, whatever party. And I mean, it's not the only issue. Like, why aren't there more people of color or people of different sexual orientations in office? I think, like, it's just one microcosm of a Mm -hmm. broader issue about representation. But I don't know how to put it into words, but it's just, like, if these people are making the laws for me, like, I would like to feel that, like, I have representation for my point of view in office. Yes. Totally agreed. Yeah. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the relationship and like the just the dichotomy between Charlie and her brother. I thought this was really interesting. I did too. And it like so I grew up not in Pennsylvania. I grew up in a very liberal town, but a small town in Dennis. And I think there's such a difference between the people who stay and the people who leave and what happens there. Well, it was also um, so interesting because her brother is actually only two years older than her. Like, they're very yeah. close in age. He's two years older, but they led such, 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 such different lives. Yeah. Well, he, Kara, his wife, got pregnant when they were still in high school. Yeah. And so by the time that they return for Char- Charlotte's Senate run, they're grandparents. Like, they have, like... Yeah. 12 or 13 year old grandkids yeah and she's and charlotte has like how old were her kids they were like six the twins were five and then annie was two i think yeah so such different lives but i mean (laughs) certainly not to this extent where i'm i'm not saying that like my high school classmates have grandchildren (laughs) but i do kind of feel the same way like i don't go to my high school reunions and like i've I've actually fallen out of touch with most of the people I went to high school with. Me too. I have a few that I'm close with, but close is like maybe we talk like twice a year. Yeah. I mean, like not that it's good or bad, like that they've stayed, but like it's just very different from my life where, so I graduated in a high school class of like close to 600 people. Mm -hmm. And of that only, I I think like less than 10 people went to college above the Mason-Dixon line. Wow. So I went, I went to high school in Florida and yeah, like 10 people went to school in the North and most people, I mean, some people went to Georgia or, um, Ole Miss or other schools in the South, but like most people stayed in Florida and like a lot of times, cause there's like three major universities, like FSU, UF and Miami, like people went and they stayed friends with their high school friends. Like it was yeah. like, did you ever watch Saved by the Bell, the college years? Um, I did. Where it was like, it was basically the same, but they had two new friends. Mm-hmm. It was like that. Yeah, yeah. So I I thought that this was just really interesting. I mean, obviously, Paul had fallen on some hard times and was like not doing so well in other areas of his life. Like it wasn't just that he stayed that made his life so different. But yeah, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I know. I agree. It really shows, like, the difference of what, like, a few small, like, seemingly small decisions when you're younger can, how it can affect the rest of your life. Right. Like, they were raised in the same house. They were, you know, they had the same education. They had the same parents. And, like, the way that Charlotte and her brother just turned out so differently was really interesting to me. Yeah. I also, one other thing that I loved (laughs) that was, like, such a subtle dig on just like how men and women operate was there was another dichotomy in how the women in Pennsylvania where it was like it was a fairly depressed town like it was a steel manufacturing area all of the jobs had left and gone overseas and like there wasn't any influx of other jobs or people didn't have the skills to do them so like a lot of people were out of work and all of the men in the book were complaining and they were like, help us bring our jobs back, bring steel back to, back to Pennsylvania. And all of the women, so like Kara had like all these side hustles where she was like doing hair and makeup. She was like selling things on Etsy. She was like making it work. And the men were just like sitting back and complaining. I loved that. And I thought it was like, 
I don't know. Such so true. Well, it's also like reflected. Charlotte's whole point of view was like, I can fix some of what's going on in Washington. Like I can fix, I can get things done. And Mm -hmm. like all the women in this like town were all like getting things done. And all the men were just like drinking beer and complaining. Yes. I loved it. Like Kara and her little t-shirts that she was doing and everything. Like, It was on a smaller level, but she was hustling and getting shit done. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Me too. I really liked her character. Me too. Yeah. So one thing that I thought was really interesting that I want your opinion on is I thought it was so interesting the role that social media played in Charlotte's campaign. So we didn't talk about this in the summary, but she actually hires this girl named Lulu to be her Instagram manager. yeah. Yeah. And to like take photos or manufacture photo ops to like build an Instagram following. And she has like this very specific formula where she's like, you need to be 30% more aspirational than like your target audience. Oh, it was hilarious. Like I hear this shit too all the time. Like as a blogger, like make sure that you're aspirational, but still relatable. Like I'm like, I'm just going to post whatever I want. But like, I get it. Like, especially as a political candidate, like all of that stuff is so important. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting where like, I feel like, we have seen campaigns that have really taken place over Twitter, but at least at the presidential level, I'm sure there are like Senate candidates. Like I don't know that we've seen a campaign where Instagram plays a big role yet. No. Where like you really get a, a peek behind the scenes at like candidates lives. Yeah. No, I don't think so yet. I'm trying to think. Cause they were like all of these, they were trying to get content of like Charlotte and her family or like them, mm-hmm. you know, behind the scenes a speech or something I don't really follow Instagram for like my politics I I use Twitter for that but I'm I remember like during the election I definitely peeked at both Trump and Hillary's feeds and like what they were up to but they were all really generic yeah I mean like I know Obama has an Instagram that he oh that I haven't was even updated somewhat frequently while he was in office but I don't know that while he was campaigning it was like particularly critical to his win either of his wins yeah I don't I don't think it was I think it'll be really interesting as we get into the next election to like see what role Instagram in particular plays like obviously Facebook there's like a lot of talk about like the role Facebook has played in elections but like I don't mean from an advertising perspective I just mean from like candidates using Instagram to like show their lives to their voters. Yeah. So what do we think about Charlotte's choice to hide his child from Max? I'm conflicted. Mm, What do you think? I was really conflicted because at one point I was like, Oh God, like why, 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 why? And I was like trying to think about, I mean, I just don't think I would be like that smart or like conniving enough to even like pay her off in the, first place but I'm also not cut out to be a politician either or and I'm probably not cut out to be a CEO like <laughs> to be honest and maybe not even a wife I don't know but I oh god the, the situation really stressed me out and I really felt for both her and Max because you yeah. also like Max is totally like a flirt and he's like he's kind of like he really his character really upset me a lot during the the course of the book but you do understand that if anything, he's a great dad and he yes. loves his children so much. And I think, you know, 
to deprive a child of their father. Like, the, chi- the child is going to grow up without knowing his father. And also not to like, give Max the choice. And not give him the choice. That sucks. I... But I get why she did it. I know. I can see both sides. It's kind of like a few books ago when we were talking about um, when we read uh, the Emily Giffen book. Yes. And it was like, would you report your son if he... Yes, this is the same thing, but different. If he did something, if he basically like sexually assaulted somebody and you knew that he would get kicked out of school and it would like follow him for the rest of his life. And it's like, of course, on paper, you were like, of course I would. But if it was your own child, like, would you? Mm -hmm. And with this, it's like, of course Max was upset. Like, I 1000% understand why he was upset and he had the right to be upset and it was totally fucked up that she didn't tell him. But at the same time, like, she did it to keep her marriage together, and she wanted... This was before she was running for office. It wasn't like it was a political move or that she'd always had aspirations to, like, run for office. She was just like, I want to save my marriage. hmm And, like, obviously, like, to your point, like, would you have thought of paying somebody off? Maybe not. But, like, she was in a position where she was, like managing tons and tons of people and she was like it's no sweat for me to like move you to another office because I'm basically in control of this company yeah like it wasn't even like she went out of her way and she was also very wealthy so like she had the means to like take care of this problem for herself and like would you take advantage of those means like if they were available to you like of course looking at somebody else I would like to be like no I would do the right thing but like I don't know what I would do I have no idea what I would do. It, it was so hard for me to even relate to that. Like, but I do think that she was well-intentioned. I, from the book pers- And also scorned. From the book perspective, not that, like, this justified anything, I liked that she wasn't a perfect person where, you know, she was, like, the scorned woman that Max had had an affair and she was, like very smart and like wanted to do be a good example for her daughters and like wanted to do well and like her only fault was that she was like too involved in the campaign and like not making enough time for her family and like was putting her husband in like a bad position like I liked that she was an imperfect person and it wasn't just like she deserves this and the universe is or like the political system is screwed up for like not making her not giving her this because she obviously deserves it. It was like, she's a flawed person and she's made a lot of good decisions and some bad decisions. And like, yeah, it made her more relatable, made her human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting, but tell me what you thought about Max. Oh, it was hard because at times I felt bad for him. Like I felt like he probably must've just felt like he was like an accessory like, the, it didn't matter what he did. I mean, I also, like, feel like housewives everywhere must feel this way. Like, or totally. wives of of um, politicians. And, like, I could never be married to a politician and just, like, have my whole life revolve around what they want. Yeah. And, what, and their political aspirations. And have mine just be taking care of the kids and supporting them. Like, But I also noticed that I felt... I immediately felt bad for Max in a way where I was like, oh, this is like, yeah, this is wrong. This is screwed up in a way that I don't know that you would necessarily think about if a woman was deciding to be a stay-at-home mom to allow for her husband to run for office. Like, because of the gender roles are flipped, you're like, I was so much more sensitive to his situation 
where at one point he gets an offer to be on the board of a company and Charlotte's like, no, you can't take it. You can't be flying to California. I know, I was mad at her for that. And then I was like, but. And like, I'm sure if the roles were reversed, it was like, you need to stay at home and be a good mother to your child. Like, I don't know. I don't know that I would have felt as immediately indignant as like, I empathize with Max right off the bat, but you're right. Like there's so many politicians' wives who are obviously in the same boat. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, like, Michelle Obama Mm -hmm. is a lawyer and she was Barack's boss Mm -hmm. when he first started working at the law firm where they met. Like she was a very successful woman in her own right. And like, I have no idea how she felt about giving that up in order to be the first lady. But like, I certainly like while she was in office, I was never like poor Michelle Obama. Yeah, never who's like made the sacrifice. Like I was like, Oh, she's a great mom and she has great style. And she's like creating these initiatives to help kids be healthy. Like you were mm-hmm. like, good for her, but you weren't like, look at what all this woman. Yeah. Has we given weren't like, up. Oh, I deeply respect her. And she's such a badass. Like, right. You're just I like, mean, she was, she but was, like, but I wasn't thinking throughout his two terms about what she gave up. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think like when it's a man, you're like, Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Do you watch? I know you watch this. You scandal? watch Scandal? I was going to put this in the show notes, and then I was like, maybe I'll leave it out. Like, when Carrie Washington's character is kind of, like, pseudo first lady, and she's, like, organizing the closet. And, and she's like, like, I can't do this. She's like, I can't do this. Like, I, I couldn't do it. No. I'd be miserable. Like, no. Sort of picking out china patterns for dinner party. I mean, I love china patterns. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I could not be that that character or, yeah. or whatever we want to call it. So I, get, I really related to Max, but I also, like, I loved, I, I just loved that the author even put him in this situation because it really, it was really thought-provoking. It was. So I loved him and I hated him because I thought he was, like, a total, like, I thought he was totally insensitive and selfish and, but I also thought Charlotte was selfish at times, yeah. too. It's yeah. it's hard. It's a good, I mean, this is a good book for conversation, that's for sure. Well, so I feel like I'm going to take this into sensitive territory. Ooh. I don't know how that's going to go over. But one thing that I thought was really interesting that obviously Joe Piazza, like, couldn't have predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, course language warning if you're, like, in the car with your children, like, fast forward a few minutes. But um, at the debate, Slaughter calls Charlotte a cunt into a into a live mic that he didn't know was on and his polls don't tank so they're pretty like neck and neck yeah and after this debate like you would think that like if live on tv they had a clip of him saying that to her it would like hurt him and it didn't and I just like I was reading this earlier today and in light of all of like the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings it's like Wow, like, I think in the book, Josh, um, who's her campaign manager, says, like, these days, like, a male politician needs to be caught with, like, a dead hooker in the bed in order for it to, like, affect their poll numbers. Yeah. Where it's just, like, wow. Like, you can literally do anything. Meanwhile, if a woman ever cheated on her husband or, like, stepped out, like, you could, you don't do anything. Like, yeah, you're in an open, suddenly in an open marriage or, like, whatever. Oh my God, it's, there is just the 
difference between how men and women are treated in office. Like, right. And what, how easy it is for a woman to piss off the general public versus a man. Well, even to go with like a lighter example in the book, Charlotte, when she announces her candidacy is wearing ballet flats and it basically like creates this huge controversy where everyone is like, she couldn't be bothered to wear heels. And it's like women are like nitpicked for these fashion choices or these are really small things. There's another plot line about like how in one interview she's picking her nail color. And it's like, everyone wants to know what color I'm wearing, but I feel like if I didn't wear nail polish, it would like cause even more of a stir. And she's like, I just want people to talk to me about my politics where it's like, people are scrutinizing women in a way where it's like, male politicians just like don't face the same scrutiny and in this like fictional example he says something like truly offensive and awful to her and like nothing happens to him and I think like we definitely see some of that lack of consequences in like real life too which is like made my stomach not a little bit yeah but I guess on to like the ending yeah what did you think about the lack of clarity in that we like we don't know if she wins or loses i i'm someone who likes everything to be wrapped up with a little bow at the end and i like i like knowing and i know there's probably tons of people out there that loved that there wasn't any clarity at the end but i would have just it's my personal preference i like when when i know so in my head i assume she won me too that's because that's the ending i wanted so i guess like it kind of leaves it open where, like, no matter what your politics are or, like, what you think, you could, like, just be, like, she won or she didn't win. She won. And I think, like, the point was, like, they were going to be okay either way. Yes. I got that, too. I And I thought that her and Max were going to be okay. Yeah. Like, it ended on an optimistic note. Yes. But, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted them to be, like, and she won. And then, like, then all the confetti came down and it was, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. I know. I like, I just like that, like. And right. it's funny for me because you know I don't love the, like, real heartwarming books. Right. But I like resolution. I mean, and the other thing is, like, at the end Even of, if she lost, I would have liked it. Yeah. I mean, even... I would have been... It would have been a reflection on, like, real life. Yeah. But. Well, either way, no matter who wins, like, regardless of their politics and, like, what they believe on issues, like, her and her opponent were both, like, flawed people who had done not great things mm-hmm. to varying levels. And, like, like, I think if she didn't win you could easily be like, well, you like did some of these terrible things and like they came out and like you shouldn't have done them Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Like if she won, it's like, okay, well like she deserved to win. And like her opponent also did terrible things. Like, yeah, there's no perfect. There isn't candidate. No. Yeah. The last thing that I put. This made me sad too. Oh, I wasn't even going to talk about that because I kind of said some of what I had to say. Well, what about Roz? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Roz for a second. So Roz is Charlotte's mentor and her first boss and, like, someone she, you know, really looks up to and takes very seriously. And she seemed – she reminded me of that um, that character in Scandal. Do you remember that, like, older senator? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The uh, judge mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the beginning. Yeah. I don't remember Well, I think it's suffocated. She but, does. Yeah. It's not, not what happens not to relevant. us. <laughs> totally not relevant, but that's what I pictured. Yeah, yeah, So, so she, Roz is like, she was the governor of Maryland, and then she was in the House, and she was the majority leader, and then she went on to be the ambassador. such a good memory. 
to, well, I was rereading this this morning. Um, and then she went on to be the ambassador to the UN. So she has like had a very storied political career, but she's retired mm-hmm. at this point in the book. Yeah. Go on. I was just giving. Okay. Context. So it was just, it made me really sad for her. So she had to tolerate her husband's infidelity. Um, But she actually didn't even care about her husband's infidelity because she was gay. So she had to hide her sexuality all that time in order to create this perfect image, like, of being, like, the woman with the perfect husband and the perfect marriage. Like, why couldn't she just be this person but also, you know, be gay and have a wife for that matter? And she says herself that, like, times were different when she was, like, getting her start. And And times have changed now, so hopefully that could be. But she was not happy. Happy is the wrong word. But she was, like, she was okay with the choice that she made. She wasn't, like, looking back on her life and being, like, wow, like, I gave this up. She was, like, like, this was what I had to do in order to be in politics. Like, I had to hide myself and marry Mm -hmm. this man and, like, let him cheat and, like, be, I mean, she had children with him and, you know, there was obvious fulfillment in other areas of her life, but she was like, this is what I needed to do in order to be in politics. Yes. It was, it, there it was. was a sad note to like how much the women in the book were expected to hide where even like at one point, Charlotte and Max were in a really bad point And like her campaign manager was like, you know the saying that like behind every man is a great woman and he's like behind every great woman there's like any man like you just need a man yeah yeah like keep him happy because like it's gonna be harder if you like don't have a husband that's so sad it's so sad as someone who's old and has no husband but also no political aspirations yeah no political aspirations whatsoever so should i run for office what do you think would you vote for me it depends what you're running for yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. What's the starting out point? Like mayor? City council? City council. Probably not mayor. Grace Atwood for mayor of Brooklyn. Um, is there a Brooklyn mayor or I is it know. New York City? I don't know. I like, don't... clearly I have not given this much thought. Um, I would vote for you if you ran for office. Thank you. Do you know that when I went to college, I, when I was still in high school, I wanted to be a political science major? And I majored in international studies. I could see you in politics. Which was, like, semi-related. Um, but at all of my interviews to go to college, like, they would always ask if I wanted to run for office. And I was like, yes, definitely. That is funny. Um, I, as an adult, I, like, don't, I don't feel that strongly. But I, I don't know. I think politics is fascinating. I do, too. Anyway, the last thing that I put in here, I have... I see this. I, I don't really have a lot to say about this. I so. have no... Like, this is just a random thing that I just, like, had to put in here because I felt like our listeners would really appreciate. Yes. I would just put Please a dying shock for this. So Stacey Abrams, who is running for governor in Georgia, um, also wrote... I don't think she currently still is writing them. Sexy thrillers. Like, books. She has, like, probably, like, three or four books under a pen name... And they're like they're like sexy books. Like I think they're like bodice rippers. Really? Uh-huh. And um they're under the name oh shoot, what is it? Um Selena Montgomery. But anyway, I just like loved this as a story that she's like I mean she's a powerhouse candidate, but like that she has in her past she like wrote these sexy novels under a pen name. I just like really liked that about her. That <laughs> I think that's really funny. I would kind of like to read one. Maybe. Should we pick that for our next book? 
I actually don't see them. I don't know if they're still in print. I don't know if they're oh. being sold anymore. Like they're from 2004 to like 2009. Okay. So, oh yeah, you can still order them. Okay, maybe we'll do that. No, probably not. I don't think we're going to pick one, but I, if anyone has read any of them and can recommend what the best book is by Stacey Abrams slash Selena Montgomery, send it to us because I would like to read one of them. Yeah. I'm not willing to commit more broadly. Yeah. But I just, I like loved that story. It doesn't really fit in here, but I just wanted to talk about it. It really fits, does not fit at all, but it. When else will I have the? When, you just really want you've wanted to talk about this person. I know. Like time. when else would I have the opening to talk about? Yeah. This? So we let you. So getting away from the book, let's talk about obsessions. Becca, what are you obsessed with? Okay, I am obsessed with this brand. I'm looking this up called, because you t- talked about this at dinner the other yep, night. It's called Flagpole Swim. It's a swimwear brand. They manufacture in New York City. It's very high-end. It is very expensive. Oh, it's expensive. Yeah. But anyway, I met with the two founders for work um, a couple of weeks ago. I would like to be put on their influencer list. Can I get a free (laughs) bathing suit? I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, that's so Um, obnoxious. I never ask for free stuff. I like these. I uh, met with the founders, and I happened to mention that I would bought one of their swimsuits a couple of years ago, but it didn't fit me. Oh, my God. This one's $400, Becca. Sorry. I'm on their website. I'm going to stop. I'm having wine and looking at the website. Go. So I happened to mention during this meeting that I'd bought one of their swimsuits a couple of years ago, but it didn't fit because I have a long torso. So like it was a one piece and it just like didn't fit. And so they were like, oh, we'll send you home with a couple of bathing suits to try and then just like pick whichever one you want and you can like send us back the rest. So they sent me home with two different bathing suits. And the one I ended up liking, Grace, I never would have picked this bathing suit for myself. Like You're it not had to show it to me after. Side, they all have like cutouts. Yeah, and it shit. had side cutouts, and like, oh my god, I never would have picked it for myself. And I love it. It is so um, flattering. Interesting. I'm on their website right now, and I'm not sold because everything is three to four hundred dollars for a swimsuit. Sorry, I I know I spend money quite liberally, but. $400 for a bathing suit with cutouts. Is it like the perfect bathing suit? It is very flattering. Okay. I usually would be like too self-conscious to wear a bathing suit with cutouts. Like it just is going to like make my fat like. Yeah. I'll wear a bikini, but not a one piece with cutouts. Oh my God. Really flattering. Okay. I'm also looking at their cover ups right now and there's like a wrap skirt with a crop top set and I want that. Yeah. They have. It's all very cute and it's good, very good fabric where it like holds you in and like, okay. anyway, I was For just a really flattering bathing suit I'd be in, but it's just, it's a lot of money. I was just shocked by how much I loved this bathing suit. Are you going to work with them? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Sorry. That's like a little um, confidential. I was just shocked how much I liked the bathing suit that I never would have picked for myself. They have this robe called the Carmen robe. I'm looking at it right now. And it's got like sheer paneling. Uh, I would wear that with like jeans and a tee. I want it. But it's $300. That is fun. I like your obsession. Now I'm going to be obsessed. (laughs) Tell me what you're obsessed with. My obsession is one that's close to my heart because it's one of my good friends. My friend Blair Eady just um, she writes a blog called Atlantic Pacific, which like I think if you read blogs, you know Blair's blog. 
But um, she is launching a collection for Nordstrom, and it launches the 22nd of October, so in five days from now. The pieces are so good. I've seen a lot of blogger collections and stuff, and they're all great, but like Blair has such a unique point of view, and everything is amazing. And I got to see a lot of the pieces firsthand. And so her collection is specifically with Halogen. Mm-hmm. And Halogen, out of all Nord- Nordstrom's private label brands, I would say is my favorite. Like they have really good cashmere and it's all very affordable. So her collection is, um, we were talking about inclusive sizing the other day. It's, I think, in size 0 to 24. Ooh. And everything is under $250. And I think what? is really the standout is all of the coats. I saw so many pictures that oh God, you and other so bloggers good. were posting it's from so the good, Becca. launch party. And I was like, I want that and that and that and that. It was like, really good. I don't... It like, was like statement pieces, but like statement pieces yeah. that were still wearable. Yeah, it's so wearable. It's so Blair in that it's... I think one of the things about Blair is like Blair will wear like 25 things all layered very cool. And I'll be like, well, I wouldn't wear... Those together because I would look like a giant Muppet and Blair will look chic um, wearing that outfit. But I would wear that coat with like skinny jeans and neutral boots or something. So like there's a pink coat with gold buttons and there's a mint coat that's long. Like there are several things that I want and I'm going to be one of those people who wakes up early the morning of the launch to shop. And I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I'm also just like psyched for my friend because there's a lot of um, there's so many bloggers and Blair is so hardworking. She's so smart. She has like that eye of a merchandiser. Like I'm really proud of her and just excited. Well, as somebody who is not her friend but just a consumer, I am very excited for the collection. It looks good. Like unbiased looks really opinion, good. it looks good. It looks, it's it's really good. I got to touch things. The quality is great. It's it's all just really good. Let's talk about Instagram. Yes. What are you obsessed with on Instagram? So mine right now is Happy Not Perfect, and I believe it's an app, but I just like their Instagram. It's full of, like, really uplifting things about being happy but being okay with the fact that, like, your life isn't perfect and you don't have to be perfect to be happy. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's a great account. What does the app do? I think it, like, I don't know. I can't educatedly speak to what they do. Okay. Hitha told me to download it. Hitha's a big user of it. Okay. Hitha from Hitha on the go, if anyone's wondering. She's our friend. Um, I'm going to look at it and tell you. So they are an app, and it says less stress, better sleep, and a calmer mind. I think it's probably like a meditation type of app, kind of like Headspace. But I'm lazy in that I have my Headspace, and I really like Andy and his voice. Oh, so Andy's I probably voice is great. I'm not going to switch over. I love Andy. Becca, what is your obsession? So I am obsessed with an account called We Are Knitters. So this hasn't come up on the podcast yet, but last year I got super into knitting. So I like wanted a hobby that was like mindless. And I got an ad from We Are Knitters last year with this scarf in it. And I didn't realize that it was like to knit the scarf. I was just like, oh, I want that scarf. And I, like, clicked through, and then I, like, got to their website, and I was like, oh, it's a kit to knit the scarf. Like, I just want the scarf. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll try knitting. Like, I have a reputation for being a little slutty for hobbies. Like, love a new hobby. So I got really into knitting last year, and along with this being gravity, the the beginning of gravity blanket season, this is also the beginning of knitting season. So... 
a couple of weeks weekends ago. I'm like, taking a knitting workshop tonight. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. Like it's coming. This episode is dropping the 17th and tonight is my I'm taking a knitting workshop. Why aren't you inviting? Why didn't you invite me? I didn't get a plus one. Do you want me to email and ask if you can come? Yeah. Okay. I Well, let me see if I have plans tonight, but okay. yeah. It's with heart knit. Great. I yeah. It's so relaxing and meditative, but um, I'm not a very talented knitter. Like I've only knit like scarves and mittens and hats. Like I, I don't think I could do a sweater. But um, we are knitters are like these really cool kits of like good patterns, and they like send you the needles and the um, the yarn that you need for it. So I'm back to my knitting obsession. I'm back on my knitting BS because it's it's fall. I'm excited to knit. I I've done it before, but I. I can't relate to it the way that you love it. Oh, I love crafts. I we're going to knit together. I can't wait. Well, ask me when I'm reading because this is something I'm going to, we're going to knit together and then I want to see if you want to do this with me. Becca, what are you reading? Tell me. I'm so interested to learn. That was very patronizing. I'm sorry. Now people are going to say I'm mean to you. She is mean to me. I am. The I'm, rumors I'm are not true. that nice. So I am reading. <laughs> I'm nice. Sometimes. So I am reading It Starts With Food, which is the Whole30 book. I'm not doing the Whole30. You're not? You won't do the Whole30 with me? No, I just eat what I want, and I eat mostly Saqqara during the week, Mm. and then I eat bagels on the weekend, and I love my bagels. Well, I (laughs) was saying a couple of episodes ago when we were talking about habits that I feel like my cooking and, like, healthy eating has, like, been in shambles recently and up until recently work has been my first priority in getting my consulting business off the ground and I mean I shared pretty openly here that like I had a rough summer you had a rough summer and we're entitled to all the emotional eating did a lot of emotional eating ate a lot of chain restaurants and definitely like gained a little bit of weight I'm not feeling awesome about my body but you've been working out and I think you look good Everyone says that, and I think it's that I'm 5'10", so it's easy to hide weight gain because, like, everyone I've, like, told this to, who, of course, are my friends and are, like, lovely, supportive people, have all been like, I can't even tell, but, like, I'm like, I can tell. Yeah. My clothes don't fit. Like, I don't I don't feel yeah. great. So I... It's true. The taller you are, the easier it is to hide it. Like, I'm 5'8", and, like, the first five pounds, like, I can hide that. Like, yeah. everyone's like, no, you're fine. Ten pounds is a different situation. Yeah. So anyway, I was feeling blah on Sunday and I was like I don't even know why I got this in my head but I was like maybe I'll do Whole30 so I went to Barnes and Noble and I bought this book and I've been reading it and I'm feeling like I'm gonna do it so by the time this comes out I am hopefully already doing it and I'm putting it out there as like accountability but I I think you should do it I want to do a Whole30 because I'm We've talked about this in other episodes. Like, I am very good with rigid rules. I am not good with loose guidelines. Yeah, like, sober January, like, I am in it. Yeah, like, regular, like, oh, I'm just going to drink once or twice a a week. I drink every night. Yeah, like, I'm not Not every night. Good with, People are going to think I have a problem. I'm not good with, like, oh, I'm just going to, like, eat healthier. Because then I eat one healthy meal, and I'm like, good job. You can have chicken fingers now. Or, like... Oh, my God, I want pies and thighs so badly. You mentioned it earlier. We live near... I live near pies and thighs, and it's, like, all I want is the chicken biscuit. But it's, like, I... I feel like I give myself too much credit when Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be healthy. And I'm like, you did great. Now you can splurge. Um, And I know that, obviously, like, when you're trying to lose weight, it should be, like, non-food splurges. Anyway... I just feel like having a habit reset 
would be good. That's what I'm kind of doing with Sakara right now. I highly recommend it. I think Sakara Sakara would be really hard for me because of food allergies. Oh, yeah. You can't have it because of sesame seeds. You can tell them they're allergies. I know, but, like, there would be nothing left. Like, I would be like, I can't have sesame seeds. I can't can't have have coconut. coconut. I can't have nuts. Yeah, like, it would be too much. Yeah. I need meat. Yeah. I, I miss meat. I really, really want a chicken biscuit right now. So... Maybe I am doing the whole 30 by the time you are listening to this. I think you should do it. I'd be excited to learn about this content. It's scary. It's definitely, like, frightening to me to commit to something this big and, like, be like, oh, we're going from, like, zero to 100, huh? Mm-hmm. But I'm reading the book. I'm getting educated. I'm very seriously thinking about it. I say do it. I'm all about a habit reset. Tell me what you're reading I oh god or I maybe what you're not reading so I have a real problem with nonfiction books because I read them and then I'm like oh you did so well you you can take a break and read a thriller or read like a cheesy ass young adult book so I have two nonfiction books that I've put down this summer the first I've talked about here is a book you suggested to me called The Beautiful Fall and that is the Yves Saint Laurent memoir The second is Hunger by Roxane Gay. And frankly, Hunger was upsetting me too much. Like, it's very graphic and emotional and upsetting. And, like, I cried reading it. So both of these nonfiction books are pretty heavy. And I put both of them down. So my goal is this week to try and read half an hour of nonfiction every day. And then I'll go back to my thriller as a treat. Because I read for about an hour every day. I like that. I have the same problem that I, I have a really, I get really excited about nonfiction. I get into it and then I don't finish it. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. So I want to announce our next Oh, God. Book. This book looks so good. I'm so excited. This has been on my reading list for a while. However, I am This going, is my kind of YA book, you guys. I, I am going to need to ask everyone to give us both a hall pass on pronouncing things. You can't even say the author's there name. There are some names in this book that we're going to butcher. Mm-hmm. We're so going to do a real good job with that. We are reading a book called Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi, which has been super buzzed about. So much buzz around this. The It's the first book in a trilogy, and the second book comes out early next year, I think in January. Okay. So we're get we're getting on the we're first getting, one. It's like the perfect timing. Yeah. We're be getting on the train. More. We don't have to wait that long. But in January, we'll still remember it. Yes. Yes. So. Oh, my God. I get goosebumps just reading this. This book is set in West Africa, and it is about a group of girl magicians, oh, yeah. and magic has disappeared under the orders of a ruthless king, and a lot of the magicians were killed. And um, this girl, whose name is Zelly, who, uh, whose parents have been killed and she no longer has magic. And she has one chance to bring magic back and strike against the monarchy. So with the help of a rogue princess, she must outwit and outrun the crown prince, who is hellbent on eradicating magic for good. Oh, my God. This book sounds so good. It sounds so good. I've heard from a lot of people I know who've read it. I'm probably going to start it tonight instead of my nonfiction. Uh, so I'm... Very excited for this and hope you'll read it along with us. Yes. Cannot wait. In the meantime, Grace, if people want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? So I'm at Grace Atwood, my full name, and then I'm also blogging over at thestripe.com. Aren't you going to ask me? No, I don't really care. 
And see, I'm the mean one in this episode. Becca, where can people find you? People can follow me on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And don't forget to leave us a review. And join us in the Facebook group. Yeah. Tell us what you thought about Charlotte while she yes, likes to win. We, we're going to have some really lively conversations I'm over there, I think. not done talking about this, so no. I think the best part of the Facebook group is it makes it more interactive. Like, I always really wanted to start, like, some sort of a book club. And I think this is the closest thing to it. So we can go after the episode drops. We can go and really talk about it in the Facebook group, which I love. Yay. So, talk to us. Um, bye for now. Um, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.